They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. In Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. trying to not say we've started every other episode with me saying all right like a million times so i'm trying to think of different things yeah to say on the on the (laughs) get-go but uh (laughs) i was thinking elliot was going to introduce the guest but i can introduce the guest we've got uh we've decided to let jake stay instead of just doing the intro he can stay and he's uh he's here so one of the just members of the turbo team podcast right just one of the regular chumps no that's a blatant lie it's a 50 50 split between me and alex (laughs) then i'm familiar with this alex character so i don't know who you i don't know who you're talking about there i'm ben is not the the creator founder i don't even know if contributor would be fair to call call him that (laughs) He's just there. Wow. wow. Okay. Well, member, cl- alleged founder of the Turbo Team Podcast, we got Jake Brand here on the podcast with us. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the second most popular film review podcast in Warren County. <laughs> well, I'm in Story County, so that it's you know Story and Warren. Fine, Central Iowa. That that'll okay. do. All right. Yeah. We'll we'll take we'll take second, I guess. <laughs> Um, Elliot, uh, how excited are you for the movie that Jake has picked, uh, for us to watch this week? Uh, I was not very excited. I have to be honest. I've seen this movie <laughs> once before. I did not care for it particularly. And, uh, yeah, I, I dragged my feet on watching it all up until yesterday. I didn't watch it yesterday because I wanted to have it fresh in my memory. I just couldn't be bothered before then. I, for one, was very excited to watch this movie. Yeah, so this 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 promises to be a fairly contentious episode. This is one of Jake's favorite movies. This is a very popular movie, period. A lot of people really like this movie. And Elliot and I do not like this movie so much. So I'm very interested to see how this goes. We're going to try and avoid name-calling or any, you know, character assassination. <laughs> If you disagree with the other person. So that's mostly directed at Elliot. He he, he, gets, <laughs> he fights nasty. That is not true, dummy. Hey, but all they do in this movie is fight nasty. So it, it's it's on brand. It's all right. Sure, sure. Okay, so um, we're doing good, fellas. Today, we're recording on Robert De Niro's birthday. So that was... Uh, hundred percent the reason why we chose this that was intentional fully so good fellas uh, a lot of people consider it martin scorsese's best movie he's an iconic director and this is maybe his most popular film uh, 1990 uh it was nominated for one two three four five six oscars it only won one 
Joe Pesci in the sporting role. It was quite an upset loss to Dances with Wolves, which is interesting. Martin Scorsese lost Best Director to Kevin Costner, which is a wild take for the Oscars to to have made. But uh, yeah, it is incredibly critically acclaimed its reputation it's been incredibly influential i would say i mean sopranos very much inspired by goodfellas a lot of the stuff that paul thomas anderson does is just martin scorsese goodfellas sort of style but uh yeah i guess we'll start with the guest jake why do you like goodfellas you know give us a good reason explain yourself well, I I think it's just <clears throat> excuse me. The one of the best directors of all time in my opinion at the very peak of his powers. Like I think that this is Scorsese at his absolute best. I think De Niro and Pesci especially Ray Liotta is really good too, but De Niro and Pesci are just I think this is both of their best performances ever. Um I know people will probably say Taxi Driver for De Niro, but I just think De Niro is so good in this movie. And when you do the background of this movie, De Niro was calling the real life Jimmy Conway or no, sorry, not the real life Jimmy Conway, the real life Henry Hill every day to ask about Jimmy Conway. Obviously Jimmy was dead at this point when the movie was made, but he would just call him like up randomly on a Tuesday morning and be like, Hey Henry, how did Jimmy hold a cigarette? Did he do it with like two fingers on the inside or the outside? And he just like, played him exactly how he was in real life and it really comes across and then I don't know I I think this isn't one of those movies with this crazy like underlying theme of hope or despair or cocaine or anything I think it's just like a fun movie and if I ever I'm just in the mood like yeah I I just want to go enjoy a movie know all the quotes in my head before they come up that this is what I choose and it's the number one movie for like, hanging out with someone to be like, hey, you ever seen Goodfellas? And then start quoting Goodfellas for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> he does do that. That is fact. It's very annoying when he does that. But you do quote that all the time. But like, I, I just love the style of it. I think the, I think the pacing of it is what I love the most. Like I was watching it last night for probably the fifth time this year uh <laughs> and billy bats dies I'm like billy bats just died i feel like i just started this movie and it just goes by so fast like it it's a two and a half hour movie that feels like an hour 15 in my opinion that's <laughs> that's how i felt and i i think you can watch this there's a very clear and distinct three separate acts like there's just the the intro and then once the the intro is just kind of like the glorification of the life like here's all the luxuries of being in the mob here's why it's so awesome you can have whatever you want you're taking you can rob banks you can have girls and then the second they kill billy bats it's like oh Here's the real mess. And obviously they're doing messed up stuff already, but here's like the consequences of that life. Here's where everything starts to go downhill. And then the third act is the very clear Martin Scorsese cocaine guilt 
Catholic guilt um, of him like showing what it's like when he was on cocaine and how much he hated it, how much it ruins your life, and just literally the entire world comes crumbling down. Everyone, sorry, spoilers, everyone ends up in jail or dead or in witness protection program. So, yeah, I, I just think you can almost make a different movie out of each act. And I think they all have different messages within them. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's interesting you say that because I, like Elliot said, we watched this a long, it had to have been like five or six years ago, I want to say, something like that. And we did not really care for it. We watched this and then Taxi Driver very close together. And we thought both of them were just really boring, long, even though Taxi Driver is not even that long. It just felt long. And we just, we didn't see a point. We really didn't see that much of a point. So rewatching it yesterday, I was really surprised. I liked it more. I liked it more than when I first saw it. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, wow. I did find it more enjoyable. And I, it was funnier than I remembered it being. Like, I hate Tommy is such a dirtbag. But when his mom shows the painting, and he's like, I love the dogs. One's facing one way, the other's facing the other way. I'm like, that's Yo, just... Yeah, one's looking east, one's looking west. So what? <laughs> There's so many lines that are just so... I don't... I'd hesitate to call them stupid, but they're just so silly and inane that they make me laugh. And so I liked the movie more. I still don't love it as much as you do, Jake. And I think that's because I don't find it as enjoyable because some of the like nastier elements just don't sit right with me. Like I don't love sitting and watching a bunch of racist, sexist, you know, pigs getting away with all this nasty stuff. And it, you know, it doesn't make me happy, but yeah, that's sort of, I can see that. that's sort of where I'm at. <laughs> well, uh, I'm tempted to say that I, my opinion didn't change just out of spite, but uh, I cannot tell a lie. I, too, my opinion of this movie improved on the second viewing. Uh, I would say I probably like it more than I liked uh, Taxi Driver, although I only saw Taxi Driver the once, and that's, frankly, all it's going to get. <laughs> Watching it now a little further along, well, a lot further along in my movie watching career, I was able to appreciate a lot more of the more, the te technical elements. So cinematography is great. Martin Scorsese really likes long tracking shots, especially through uh, busy, crowded areas that I really appreciate. They're always really well put together, especially the one where he's just going through the the club, I can't remember what it's called. Copa, Introducing the Copacabana. Oh, thanks, Jake. Oh, wait. No, like he's when he's... <clears throat> when they're introducing, like, uh, Anthony Stabile and uh, Fat Andy's brother. Like yeah. that scene? Yeah. Yeah. I don't Great remember job. what that's called. Either. I think that's just the, the tiki bar they burned down. Okay, so when they're going to the world-famous establishment, the Tiki Bar, they burn down. Uh, that's really well done, because I always like oneers like that, where there's a lot of moving parts, and timing is a big part of it, and everyone's snapping off at the right time. 
So that's all good. The performances are all really good. Uh, I like how Joe Pesci is supposed to be playing someone in his 20s. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> so is uh, Robert De Niro, actually. Yeah. No. Robert... <laughs> uh, Ray Liotta and Pesci are both supposed to be in their 20s. I think De Niro's a little closer to his Yeah, but De Niro was like actual in his age. 40s. They're like, there was Jimmy Conway, and he's in his 30s, and there's De Niro looking very old. <laughs> it's not as bad yeah, as... That, that part doesn't age well. <laughs> it's not as bad as in The Irishman, when he's been digitally de-aged, but he's still limping around like a 70-year-old man. <laughs> Uh, but no, I I still, I still was ready to be done before the movie was done. I think because the movie doesn't really have a structure, or it doesn't really have a plot. I mean, it's very episodic. It's sort of like Shawshank in the sense that it's just going through segments of this guy's life where important things happened which makes sense for a biopic and you know it works but it just can sometimes feel like the movie is spinning its wheels and yeah it by by the time i think they were dealing with the aftermath of the heist at the airport i i was starting to i was starting to tap the remote to be like how long do i still have and i still had a while I was going to say, if there's anything that does drag, but I've grown to appreciate it more, it is the third act. But, uh, I, yeah, I think the, the third act is necessary in the sense of, like, showing that there needed to be consequences for everyone. But it, as far as, like, a movie goes, like, I feel like it could have ended after the Lufthansa heist. I did not say that word right. Lufthansa I've never had a problem saying that yeah but I think just from a the movie just ended after that heist excuse me everyone would still be alive and I don't think any of them would have been in jail they would have just been like oh yeah top of the mountain just stole five million dollars but the the ending is kind of necessary to be like okay Tommy deserves to die because he is 10 times worse in person than he is in this movie. There's a story that Henry Hill told, I think on, I think it was on Howard Stern when he was still alive. But he said that one day they were just walking down the street and, uh, Henry said, Hey, or Tommy said, Hey, Henry, watch this. And then he just shot two civilians just for no reason at all. So, and apparently like, Jimmy was just as bad. Just it wasn't portrayed in the movie. Like they were both equally as bad. And Henry Hill's obviously not a good person, but he's more kind of the stereotypical just didn't know what he got himself into. One one part that was left out of the movie was that uh after Henry got arrested, he left and he went to the military to try and get away from the life because he was so terrified of like, he'd seen people dead, he'd seen, uh, I mean, he got arrested, so he enlisted in the military to try and get away from it, and then when he got back, he just, I mean, he moved back home, and 
the, <laughs> the business was going on on his street. So he just wasn't able to escape it. But I, I thought that was an interesting choice by Scorsese to leave that part out, obviously for time. But uh, I think it's, I think it's interesting that there's more to Henry than that's in the movie. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of, part of my issue. I was reading reviews of Goodfellas and most of them kind of like we talked about, even the negative reviews still had to admit that the movie is technically just fantastic. I agree that this is Scorsese. He's a mature filmmaker at this point. He's got more than a few classics under his belt and he knows exactly what he wants and he knows exactly how to get it. And he does in so many different ways. But one of the reviews that I thought that I really resonated with kind of talked about how Henry Hill is just not interested, that the movie kind of fails in some way to make him as interesting as I think he should be for being the subject of a movie of this length. And I think it's because it doesn't bring to the forefront some of the things that you're kind of talking about that I think the movie has hints that Henry, right? Like when they kill, when Tommy kills Spider, there's hints of this that like Henry's, that he feels bad about this, that he does not think that this was right and all this, but then he keeps doing it. So there's, right, there's something there that I don't think the movie really succeeds at bringing out. And Henry is an interesting character too, because he, right, he's in the mafia for all of this time and then he flips and they spend right time in the movie talking about how don't be a rat you got to be loyal all this stuff about family and then he flips at the end so there is obviously either self-preservation or some moral thing that's going on there that I don't think the movie really succeeds at bringing to the forefront in a way that I would like it to I can see that but what I will say is that Yes, there's probably some moral battles within Henry's head, but the entire movie is money and power. And the second that he can't get the money and he doesn't have the power, he flips. So does he like does he probably hurt a little bit when Spider dies? Like, oh my gosh, that wasn't right. Yes, but is he gonna leave the life? No, he's not going to leave the life because of some moral conscious or moral like upbringing or anything like that. He's not going to leave because he's still making money. And I, I think the, I'm going to guess that this was a very intentional choice by Scorsese, but I think that he shows Leota's moral fighting like in silence. So like after they kill Billy Bats. De Niro obviously thinks it's a bad idea to kill Billy Bats. But when Pesci walks in, the first thing De Niro does is just grab him. Like, okay, whatever. You made this decision, I'm going to go with it. And he helps out killing him. Henry does nothing. Henry just watches and is like, wow, these people are, like, evil. And then when they go to uh, Tommy's house after, and Pesci and De Niro are acting like obviously nothing happened, and Henry Hill's just sitting there in silence. And uh, his mom is like, Henry, what's the matter with you? You don't talk much. You don't eat much. You don't. And like, you have to rewatch the scene, but I've noticed it rewatching it. The look that Tommy gives Henry 
is like of murder and evil. Like, what are you doing, dude? Act normal. Like, act like we didn't just kill anybody. And Henry obviously can't because he just witnessed a guy die for no, essentially no reason. Whoa. Th- things getting heated over on the on the podcast. Disagreements. Sparks flying. But, <laughs> but I, I can also see that side of it where it's where it should be more like obvious character development for Henry Hill. But also at the same time, he's just a really, like if you look at him in real life, like he just looks like a loser. And like when you, when you watch how he lived his life after the movie came out, like after the movie came out, he realized like, Oh my gosh, I can make a bunch of money. So he left witness protection and he was still just capitalizing on the fame of being this gangster a long time ago. So, like, maybe there wasn't a whole lot of character development going on in his head because he was just an idiot. That's also a possibility. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I well what's really your... Think... Go uh, ahead, Elliot, sorry. Uh, okay. I don't really think that this is a character study, per se, more like the study of a certain lifestyle, which is very much in keeping with a lot of Scorsese's mob movies and a lot of mob movies in general, that they, a lot of them chronicle a rise and fall. And what takes the, the riser down is usually the excesses that are inherent to the life. You know, that people talk about the Sopranos is be, is uh, about the knee, the always, the ever-present drive to want more, more money, more women, more power, more stuff, whatever. Uh, and so I think the movie is just like, just an examination of that. Uh, some people in the reviews that I read drew a parallel between that and just the American lifestyle. I don't know if this is unique to American crime or American culture. Maybe it is. I I don't know. But I think that if the movie is trying to say that, it doesn't do a great job of it because it's mostly focused just on these people. It doesn't really show anything pertaining to the broader culture of America at that time or the contemporary culture. So... I can appreciate the fact that it does have this theme of excess and the consequences of excess, especially criminal excess. But again, you know, sort of like what Nathan was saying with uh, Henry Hill, the character, it just doesn't gel well enough for me with the on-screen action to make it, to get it in my eyes, to the place where it is in the eyes of so many people, including our esteemed guest here. All right. I agree. I, I'd i like to shift a bit because there's some other stuff that I'd like to talk about. I'd like to talk about what do you guys think of Karen, of Henry's wife? Because I thought I don't remember her being in the movie at all. And I very rarely see people mention her really in reviews and stuff like that. But I thought she was a really interesting character just as an outsider who sucked into the life in a way that we don't really see Henry, right? We don't see him trying to ingratiate himself 
into the mob in the same way that we see Karen, right, with like the wedding scene when she's meeting all these PDs and Paulies and whatever. And her narration, I think, gives us a really neat sort of look into, right, what is so enticing about this life that she's like, I couldn't leave him because it brings all this stuff. And I thought the scene, I think it's, it's after he gets out and he's selling drugs or whatever. And she's like bringing Maury and his wife, I guess, over to the house. And so, and she shows off like the wall that opens to the entertainment thing. And it's just this sense of like, she's happy because she has all this stuff. And so she can't leave Henry because Henry is where she gets all this stuff from. So I actually thought she was really interesting. And I was kind of frustrated that she didn't get as much screen time as the movie kind of went on and that she just became kind of like a nagging wife character in parts of the film. But uh, what do you guys think? You <laughs> well, that's because that's what she is. <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> um, no, but that's how she is to Henry. So <laughs> like he's just this, or she's just this. Yeah. He's the mother of my kids. Or who cares? Because that's how he treats her. And I think that it's very obvious that uh, David Chase saw Karen Hill and is like, that's what I want to make Carmella, but have episodes that dive into it and like completely flesh out that character because that's exactly what Carmella Soprano is in The Sopranos. She's this housewife that gets cheated on consistently, but she's getting what she wants. She's in the big house she she has all this money she has any dress or any suit coat that she wants she's just like yeah whatever i'm just gonna ignore it and i agree i think they could have gone farther into karen but in in real life karen also does kind of just turn into this junkie that's helping henry sell drugs so like i think what's so fascinating about the life is that <clears throat> my gosh, my voice, everyone <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Everyone starts off somewhere. And <clears throat> Ellie, you can, Oh no, there, my voice is back. <laughs> everyone starts off somewhere with some like thing that they want. And then they just end up being like a junkie that's selling drugs or doing what I, doing something that's obviously not very smart like the mob isn't already dumb in itself but the dumbest thing you can possibly do in the mafia is sell drugs because it's the easiest thing for the government to find it's the easiest thing for the government to get you in trouble for is nobody worried about insulting the mob and then getting whacked for it because that's why i've been I feel very pretty, quiet I feel on the organization the itself iowa mob. the iowa mob <laughs> I said, yeah, that's why I've been very quiet on the organization itself. Hey, there's a, there at least used to be a Des Moines Mafia. It's probably still. Well, I, I'm sure people sell drugs in Iowa. I'm sure that's a thing that happens. No, there, like I actually read about it. The, there was just an off break from Chicago that. Mm they kind of posted up in Des Moines while I think they were getting, they were under surveillance or whatever. So they just kind of disappeared over here and ran a little outfit. Wow. 
Thank goodness we have mob expert Jake Brend here. Jeepers, he's got all of them. Yeah, oh, I was I was in it. That's uh, <laughs> oh, that's I that's why I know about it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <clears throat> I mean, uh, Elliot, what did you think? Right, Karen's a bit of a Karen, isn't she? Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> so funny. Thanks. That that was a topical joke. Um. Yeah, I didn't really register that much about her. She's clearly very self-deluded because she's talking about how I didn't know, I didn't think that there was anything weird about it. Uh, I I didn't associate crime with all of with all of this money that my husband was getting, and so she's either an idiot or just lying, or to, to us or herself. I think that. She sort of, I didn't really get a lot from her. I, maybe I was just not paying enough attention, but she was sort of living this nightmarish, bizarro version of the stereotypical housewife because she's got the typical homemaking responsibilities, but also she's supposed to be, uh, at least in the drug part, helping her husband like she's smuggling drugs into the prison for him that's interesting i guess i mean it's it's entertaining i, I don't know i just didn't get a whole lot from it i wasn't that's that's the problem generally with this movie for me is that i just wasn't engaged enough to really dig deep into what the movie was trying to say or the dynamics between the characters or anything like that the actress did a great job uh i'm sorry that i don't know her name so i can't uh call her out lorraine lorraine brocco dr melfi lorraine brocco good job really yeah oh yeah she's dr melfi i thought i recognized her but for some reason i couldn't get demi moore out of my head (laughs) no that's interesting the the hair is definitely very different. Yeah, and she's also significantly less uh, composed in this movie. Yeah, so great job to her. Uh, but she was just another. She was just another part of this movie that I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, moving on. Here's something I want to talk about. Let's talk about how. Every single scene in this movie is accompanied by some kind of needle drop. I mean, somebody is always singing. The soundtrack of this, I think that the soundtrack to this movie has more just songs, you know, that you have to pay royalties for than Guardians of the Galaxy. See, that's that's something I haven't even touched on. I love the soundtrack. Like, that. that's one of my favorite parts about this movie. And... I'm not Martin Scorsese, so I don't know, like, why he made the song choices that he did, but I did listen to a podcast on this movie that said that Scorsese picked out the songs for each scene before he even wrote the script. So, he was just, like, so set in stone, and, like, Then He Kissed Me fits so perfectly with the Copacabana long shot, just for, you can't really explain it, it just, like, fits perfectly. And then the the scene where De Niro's smoking the cigarette, just making facial expressions, deciding that he's going to kill Maury, or kill everybody for that matter. Like, that song is just, like, 
perfect. And I, there is pretty much music in every scene. Now that now that you say it, it's. <laughs> yeah, I don't have an issue with it. I think it's just kind of like putting you in the shoes in the time of when it was. And yeah, this soundtrack ton ton of fantastic songs george harrison shows up at the back end the best beetle by far easily <laughs> i'm pretty sure they played gimme shelter right yeah yeah they it's a fantastic soundtrack i just thought it was distracting it sort of it wasn't necessarily bad but it's like when you notice a certain uh, verbal tick that somebody has like if you ever Try to count the amount of times I say, you know, in one of these things, it'll drive you crazy. uh, And you'll probably get into the triple digits by the time you're done. And so that's sort of where I was at. I was just counting. There's another needle drop. There's another one. There's another one. We just had one. What's going on? Yeah. Well, speaking of weird things, this movie is like obsessed with food. A lot of food talk. Oh, yeah. They never Makes you so hungry. They talk about pasta more than anything else. It's it's bizarre. I don't understand it. I mean, that's the like that's one thing that I've read is that like if there's any reason to join the mob, it's the food. Like they actually just like those Italians know what they're doing when they're cooking their pasta, and it just oh my gosh, it looks so good. The <laughs> It's an all-time movie for just making you hungry. Like, every single time the dinner scene pops up, I'm like, or the the prison dinner scene pops up, oh my gosh, I want to go make a steak and pasta right now. (laughs) And cut the garlic so thin with a razor blade that it liquefies in the pan with just a little oil. That's actually a myth. Like, that, it's not possible. Oh, wow, that's disappointing. But it does... It's one of those things that it just, like, it's a good visual. I don't know. Instead of just, like, instead of just them showing up and, because the point of the scene is to show that even though they're in prison, they're still living like royalty. Uh, But just a creative choice by Scorsese instead of just, like, oh, look at these mob mob guys eating in dinner. He's going to show how they make the dinner. And I think it just, I mean, even though it's only a couple minutes. I think it just adds so much to, I don't know, just the, I don't know what it necessarily adds to, but I think it just makes the scene so much better seeing these, uh, Peters and, and Polly's and whoever cooking their pasta. Well, I think there's a thing that I really appreciate about the movie that shows up a lot, which is sort of this sense of normalcy, like normal life being adjacent to or accompanied with extreme violence, right? That like they set fire to the tiki bar and then they're just sitting outside in the car talking about setting up a double date, you know? And there's so many scenes with Tommy where they're just talking, they're just hanging out like friends and then someone sets him off and we you get like the funny house scene, you get the scene where he shoots spider that, and then... I think maybe my favorite scene in the entire movie, that scene after they kill bats where they're at uh, Tommy's mom house, mom's house. And they're just chatting about whatever they're talking about, the painting, all of these random inane things. And right. There's the great shot that does them at the table and then zooms through the window. And 
you can hear the guy kicking in the back of the car that it's just this fantastic here's these guys and they act like everything's normal and it's all fine and you know they got a, a guy dying in their car <laughs> it's a very i don't know why jig's laughing it's not a funny scene no i i'm just thinking of the when they're looking at the painting and De Niro's like, looks like a guy we know. <laughs> and then, and I'm like, that's the cue for it to pan to the car. Like, that's just, it's so morbid, but just the delivery of it is so funny. <laughs> Whatever, Jake. Oh, man. I I texted a friend of the program, Justin Ewaldson, last night. You can't just, <laughs> just say that somebody's a friend of this program. We don't even know a, this he's person. He's a friend of the program. Elliot, he's a friend of the program. Don't worry. Don't worry. He's a, he's, he's a co-leader of the program. Uh, co-leader, yeah. He was a co-leader. But we just... I hung out with him a lot on the 180 trip down to Arkansas. And we were just making Goodfellas references the whole time. And uh, <laughs> Both times since we've watched the movie since Arkansas, we just text each other, like, watching Goodfellas. <laughs> so... Thinking of you, that's that's adorable, well, Jake. That's really. Cool. I'll uh, I'll read off his uh his review of the movie. Oh, no okay, wasted right. scenes. Everything builds to the stories. No throwaway five or five or ten minutes of BS just to fill time. And they consulted <laughs> with real gangsters to know how to make it an authentic feel. The country is totally ripe for another movie like this. That's Justin Nielsen's <laughs> words. Couldn't have said it better myself. Couldn't have said it better. All right. Um, that's pretty much all that I had in my notes that I really wanted to talk about. Jake, Ellie, you guys got anything you wanted to hit on? Uh, I think the most impressive part of the movie is how they found a kid that acted just like Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> that was when the kid showed up. I was he does look weirdly like Joe Pesci, and, and I sounds like him, and like they just it's like they use the age technology to to age top to to age him like 35 years it just blows my mind every single time that he pops up wow that's fantastic jake one of the i think just the one of my favorite scenes especially after the late uh polly walnuts has passed away uh when you know polly walnuts tony Tony Cicero. No, who, how am I supposed to know these? He's a uh, Polly from The Sopranos. Okay. The actor who played him died about a month ago, uh, but he's kind of just an extra in this movie. He's he's uh, he's in there at the beginning a lot. He's the <laughs> when they when they go and get the mailman and just throw him into the back of the car. Just this innocent mailman and. <laughs> He's the guy who's like, come on, get in here, you piece of garbage, just for walking out the door. I think that just expresses just the ridiculousness of this life, like, the way that they threaten people. Just, this this innocent mailman's walking out of the post office to go deliver the mail, and not only do they just throw him in the back of the car to threaten him, he's just, like, acting like he's a terrible person for doing his job. I just... I always appreciate that scene. I think that's really funny. Jay, I, I don't want to make claims about people who like Goodfellas, but I think in Jake's case, Jake, you just might be a bad human being. You might just be a bad person. Yeah. 
It's definitely an option. It's a possibility. <laughs> sure. Elliot, Elliot, did you have anything? No, I <clears throat> I haven't really said a lot this episode, but it's just because I don't really have a lot to say about this movie. It's just, I don't want to spoil my rating of it, but it's just, it's just not that impactful to me. There's not a lot for me to, there's, I, there's not a lot that I found really interesting or grabbing or, uh, worth or noteworthy, uh, either in either direction, really good or really bad. So yeah, I've pretty much, I've said my piece. See, I wish I wish you would have seen like Casino or Wolf of Wall Street, which I think are probably the two movies that Scorsese's made that are most similar to this that I've seen. Or maybe Raging Bull too. Cuz I do wonder if it's just the subject matter or if it is the way that Scorsese tells his stories about these gangsters, about the mob men, about I guess in Belfort's case just, you know, dirtbags who make money. Because I think this one is not as entertaining as Wolf of Wall Street, but I think all of them have this same sense in which you kind of have to assume a lot of the weight of judging and imposing some sort of justice on the characters in his movies. That Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, Casino, the movie does not spend a lot of time being like, yeah, these guys are dirtbags and you should not idolize them. Apparently in the 90s, everyone was watching mob movies and they were like, dude, I want to be in the mob. It looks dope. And <laughs> so I think he really puts a lot of the weight on you that you have to watch Goodfellas and you have to say, yeah, I think these guys are bad people for like all of these, in my mind, really obvious reasons. But I don't think, and I don't know if the, I haven't seen the Irishman. So you would have to say if the Irishman is similar in that vein or different in that the Irishman is similar, but it's way, way more obvious. Like, so the, I saw some, I don't know if it was a theory, but an analysis that Goodfellas, Casino, and the Irishman were just like a three-part series. Obviously, the characters are different and whatever, but Goodfellas is really like, this is the thrill of the life casino's like okay this is where the consequences start and the irishman is like okay these horrible people die alone like that's and that's kind of just and after like reading that and thinking about it, i'm like yeah that i mean obviously goodfellas does get into the consequences of it but it's by no means the theme of the movie or the point of the movie um so I, I think that does make a lot of sense. And maybe that's Scorsese's own character development over the course of his life. Like, huh, maybe I shouldn't glorify these characters as much as I have been. Maybe he got to the point where he's 80 and he's like, man, how many people thought gangsters were cool? Well, now I'm going to just bring back these people and I'm going to show them just dying alone and how depressing that is. And uh, Maybe he did. Maybe he just wanted to tell a good story. Who knows? I I agree. I think that um, in Goodfellas, the consequences of the actions that the characters take are a lot more 
visceral and flashy. And even in a certain sense, they're sort of, they sort of feel like, uh, they don't feel as much like consequences because a, I mean, Henry Hill sort of gets away with it, or at least he doesn't go to prison and B there's a lot more, there's a lot more of it, a sense that it's just part of the fun. Uh, cause even earlier in the movie, De Niro says to the, to child version of Henry Hill, uh, everyone gets pinched. It's just, it's just part of what happens. And there's an idea that, they could have all avoided this if they had just made better choices. Whereas in the Irishman, where they extend the story to the main characters, the titular Irishmans, uh, last years, it's probably my favorite part of that movie. I don't know if it's worth trudging through three hours for, but it's a lot slower, a lot quieter, and a, and because of that, a lot more grim. There's nothing really flashy about it. It's just this sad old man living in a retirement home, not talking about anything out of a sense of loyalty to a lot of people who are dead or in jail. And I think that it's a lot more uh, impactful. So there's a, there's a little view into my opinion of the Irishman. Opinion of the Irishman. I think that's pretty interesting. All right, well, uh, I think we can get into ratings. Jake... You actually will do me, Jake Elliott. That way we get a nice uh, insult sandwich for the for Goodfellas. You know, bad and good Jake, bad. you have to come up with your own unique rating scale. You can't do <laughs> oh, a scale I, I've of got one it. to ten. You oh, do? You got it. All right. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Good, good, good. Okay. Well, um, yeah, like I said, I like this a lot more than the first time I saw it. I thought it it was much more interesting than I was expecting. I saw a casino uh, late last year, I want to say, and I really did not like it. I thought there was way too much narration. I thought it was really boring. And I thought it was it, even more so than this movie. I thought it failed to bring a lot of these ideas we've been kind of talking about, about justice and where this life lands you. But rewatching this, it had a lot more of those ideas than I remember being in there. I found a lot of the characters, I don't know if interesting, but just it was more compelling. I really love this depiction of the normal life of these gangsters being accompanied with this violence and how they became numb to it. They kind of no longer cared about these things that they were doing. It's a technically very, very proficient movie. I love all the performances. I don't love all the performances. Ray Liotta looks like Satan. He looks like the most evil human being on the planet in this movie, I think. He looks like such a weirdo. But, um, yeah, because of some of those shortcomings that we've talked about just thematically that it kind of leaves me wanting, and I just don't enjoy watching it as much as other people, uh, I'd say it's like a, it's a 7.2 out of 10. You know, it's a good movie. There's a lot of good ideas, but I think there's a lot more that I wish it would do. I, I think that this, kind of how I started the podcast, I think that this movie is just Scorsese from a filmmaking perspective at the absolute peak of his powers. The Everything from the performances to the cinematography to the the music to the freeze frames to the voiceovers, like, I think everything, the pacing is just nearly perfect. Like, I, it makes it, I don't know. Yeah, I think it makes it my most enjoyable movie to rewatch. 
which is impressive because it's not a comedy. Like it, I think there's comedic aspects to it, but I would in no way call it a comedy. Mix that, I think, with just how much I love the mob and how much that this kind of you like it revamped the mob in pop culture. Like the Godfather is fantasy. Like the Godfather is it's so I don't know how you it's obviously not real life. It's it's almost perfect. Just everything about it looks perfect. This is kind of the the new age mob that was able to lead to the Sopranos. Like it's in New York City. Like it's happening in restaurants that normal civilians could eat at and stuff like that. None of that's happening in The Godfather. So I think all that combined with The Sopranos doesn't exist without this movie and The Sopranos is my favorite show ever. I'm going to go bowling and give this a strike. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I really like that. That's great. I'll be here all week. That's a great, that's a great score. System J. <laughs> Although it's really just a, another way of saying a 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. All, all right. Uh, yeah, I, again, I don't have a whole lot to say about this movie. <clears throat> I really appreciate a lot. I really appreciate and respect Martin Scorsese as a director, even though individual, in terms of my opinions on his individual movies, I tend to vary quite wildly on them. I usually like his non-mob movies more than his mob movies. So like Shutter Island and Silence, I really like both of those. Performances are really good, but honestly, there's just not enough there that speaks to me to elevate it to the level that it's at for so many people the way I felt about it after watching it this time was sort of how I feel after watching your standard B movie so I'm gonna give it a B I I love the B movie (laughs) okay I knew you were gonna say that (laughs) wow what a what a hilarious joke by Jake really Wasting all the goodwill he won with that hilarious strike reference. <laughs> okay, so uh, now we got recommendations. Jake, you can go first. What What do you recommend to people who like this movie or who don't like this movie? Can I do two separate ones? Absolutely, Jake. You could do okay. ten. You know, we love so the <laughs> so the first one. I know I just talked about it and how they're not really the same movie. But I think that there's so many elements of the Godfather trilogy that if you enjoy this movie, you're going to enjoy the Godfather uh, part one and part two. I'm not going to speak on part three, but um, I, I just think that even though they're so different in every single way, everything that makes Goodfellas great also makes the Godfather great, which is the just the aspect of showing what the mafia life is. And uh, I, I don't know if I've ever met anyone who likes Goodfellas and doesn't like The Godfather. So I, I think that's a pretty safe one. And then the other one I'll go with is uh, Staying in the Scorsese Realm. Not a mob movie, but I think it's uh, 
just I it's my favorite I think non-crime movie that Scorsese's done and it's the king of comedy and I think that uh that's another great De Niro performance and I think it's it's similar to Goodfellas in a sense where it in a lot of ways it's just a dark comedy and it's literally in the name (laughs) of this movie but I I think if you're if you didn't like this movie, or even if you did like this movie, uh, if you didn't like this movie, you're not going to like Casino, obviously. You're not going to like The Irishman. You probably aren't even going to like The Wolf of Wall Street. You might not even like The Departed. But if you didn't like this movie and you still think you can try out Scorsese, I, I would say give The King of Comedy a try. Because I think that it has like all the aspects that people say make Taxi Driver great, but Taxi Driver sucks. And I think those elements are in this movie, and it's actually good. But that might be my hottest movie take. Well, I agree with that take. I, yeah, I think The King of Comedy is way better. Whatever. Ellie and I are never doing Taxi Driver, but we both don't like it. So that's that's as much of a review as you're ever going to get. Uh, my recommendation is very much a movie that was inspired by Goodfellas. I mean, literally the opening shot of this film is just a Martin Scorsese Goodfellas ripoff shot. But I think it's really fantastic. Boogie Nights is my recommendation. Like I said, Paul Thomas Anderson, very much inspired by Martin Scorsese. And I think what makes Boogie Nights better for me is I actually find it incredibly entertaining. And it's incredibly funny and I think all the characters are really interesting and it's working in the same sort of sense as Goodfellas that it's about people who are not good people who have all these self-destructive tendencies and it kind of shows the consequences of that and I think it's really fantastic a lot of the time when people say they talk about Goodfellas like Jake when you were saying it's just so rewatchable and it's so fun that's how I feel about Boogie Nights, that it's just very rewatchable. It's a ton of fun. And it's with, I would say, something I can more get behind people being bad, that they're not killing anyone. That I'm like, okay, they're just being self-destructive as opposed to being others destructive. So it's not as hard for me to watch it and have fun with it. My recommendation is a very similar movie to this, uh, American Gangster. It's a Ridley Scott movie. Uh, It's based on, like Goodfellas, it's based on a true story. Uh, It chronicles the rise and fall of a gangster, an American gangster, in fact. Uh, This one's played by Denzel Washington, a great actor, one of my favorites. I I don't know why Nathan doesn't like Denzel Washington. I think he might be racist, but, you know, that's all right. But it's not all right. Um, yeah, I think I like this movie generally more than Goodfellas because it feels a little bit more serious. Uh, it's a little bit more devoted to making the, constructing this, uh, critique of the excess of this kind of lifestyle. Uh, and I think that it really benefits from having focusing on the law enforcement side of trying to take this guy down uh, because it creates a much more interesting character dynamic, especially when the policeman and the gangster eventually meet. So uh, yeah, I'd say if you like this movie, 
uh, you'll probably like American Gangster because they are very similar. Hmm. It's not that I don't. I just haven't seen as many Denzel Washington movies <laughs> as you. So when you, whenever you praise him, I'm just like, oh, he's that guy in Remember the Titans. And that's like <laughs> it. That's like the extent of my experience with him. Nathan's making excuses. I just want viewers to understand where I'm coming from when I when you say I don't like Denzel. I wouldn't call them <clears throat> viewers. They'd be listeners. Unless they're oh. watching the audio waves of the podcast. Sorry. Just to... All right, good point, Jake. Whatever. Yeah. All right, so Jake's so never coming back. We, we <laughs> liked having him on once. <laughs> no, Jake, it was great to great to have you on. Love hearing your thoughts. What an what an eloquent young man you are. Oh, thanks. And um, do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Usually, I let Elliot take it, but I love viewers have the last word. I'm gonna go get yes. the papers. Get the papers. Oh, great! <laughs> I'll do that again. I'm gonna go get the papers. Get the papers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>